you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Bite.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Bite. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome to A Few Things, where we give our greatest discoveries the podcast they deserve. Are you ready for my really quick of-a-kind product call-out? Is this our welcome back episode? Yes. Welcome back. Thanks so much. <laughs> welcome back to Podcast I was Life. just getting so excited for our new, we have a whole new intro, which people probably gathered by now. It wasn't three minutes long. That was great for everyone. And now we're doing a super quick product call out right at the top, 15 seconds. We're actually timing ourselves. So because we just did this survey. We have this survey in process. It'll probably still be open by the time this episode yeah. airs. And people were like, I don't like that there are product call outs for Okay. I'm like, you guys, who do you think? pays for this thing. How do you think we can do this? It's because we have this other business of a kind. The survey responses have been amazing and should probably be their own episode themselves. But one of the questions was, what do you want less of? And somebody said, Claire singing Olivia (laughs) theme song, which is really a bummer because I had all of these ideas about how we would open this episode. And I was like, I could think I could sing the welcome back Cotter um, (laughs) theme song, or I could do that part of that chance the rapper song. That's like, and we back and we back and we back. You just did it. You have 15 seconds to pitch your favorite thing on Avakine right now. And I'd like to say up top because I'm going to save you some time. I'm giving you a gift. This thing that Eric is about to pitch is going to be 10% off with the code a few things through October 2nd. All right, go. Okay. My favorite thing right now is this thing called the Jow Refresher. It's in this little blue plastic bottle and it's it's technically like a sort of fancy hand sanitizer. But thing is, you can also use it on pimples. Um, and it works great. It has tea tree oil in it. It smells really nice. I wow, have you're one done. Home. Great. I, I let you go a full second and 13 seconds over, but you did it. You got all of the, the important the stuff in. Yeah. We're going to get really good at this. I think we are. I think we're going to learn how long 15 seconds is. That's right. Yeah, totally. Um, um, we have a guest today. We have a guest. I'm so excited for our guest. Um, our guest is a new friend of mine. We, yes. we ran a crazy relay race together in Oregon. We'll get to that in a later episode That's in right. much detail. Yeah. Um, his name is Fran Tirado. He is, did I pronounce it right, Tirado? Yes, you did, yeah. He is the executive editor of the magazine Hello, Mister and the co-host of the podcast Food for Thought. 
but spelled T-H-O-T. T-H-O-T, yes. And Fran has agreed to relieve me of the responsibility of explaining the origins of T-H-O-T and what it stands for. Right. So T-H-O-T is an acronym for mm-hmm. that hoe over there. And it used to be really pejorative. It used to be kind of a derogatory term, but now it's it's more endearing. It's definitely mm-hmm. comedic and and uh, it's become, it's created a life of its own. I really sure. like it. And it also... It, Am I wrong in that it was, it's like, it has Instagram origins, right? Like she's an Instagram thought. Yeah. She's an Insta thought. Right. Right. I like it so much. Um, Weirdly, very strangely, my husband and I were talking about the origin of this word not that long ago. And we decided to like do a deep Google to see where we, what we could get. Ooh. There. (laughs) Deep Googles on that hole over there. (laughs) No, but, but here's what it turns up. A video of Ryan Seacrest um, being explained this term by Nicole Richie on his like what what radio station uh, oh, yeah. does he have his show on I in don't LA? Know, but, yeah. Anyway, he gets basically explained by Nicole Richie, who's like, oh, that thought, and he's like, I don't know what that is. Like, oh I have God. no idea. Wow, um, Ryan yeah. Seacrest, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. We should link to that. Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> pretty good. Um, can you tell us what okay, so now you've explained thought to us. Yes. Can we also ask you to explain what Hello Mister is? Yes. Yeah, so Hello Mister is a twice a year magazine. I say twice a year instead of biannual because biannual means both twice a year and every other year. Because it's very English, confusing. Yeah, the English yeah. language is stupid. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I am the executive editor of this magazine, mm-hmm. uh, coyly taglined for men who date men. Um, <laughs> and I when I first picked it up, it actually was... I didn't even realize that it was a queer magazine. Mm-hmm. It kind of has this subtlety. Um, it's really beautiful and like well written. Yeah, and um, it's been around for four. Oh my god, five years now. I'm not sure. I've been doing it for four years. Okay. Um, I came on in the first, the second issue. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's long form storytelling, lots of illustrations. People refer to it as the queer New Yorker. Wow, um, what a compliment. Yeah, but it's got like, it's thicker though. It's like 250 <laughs> pages. It's really nice. It costs like $20. So, but it only uh, comes but the articles are longer than the New Yorker, yeah, is yeah, what yeah. you're saying. Exactly. They're much better too. No, just kidding. <laughs> Way more in depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, and who's on who's on the cover of the current one? Um, so we have three covers oh, for hey. this issue. I'm so excited. You know what? Everybody excited. has free, three covers right now, I feel like. I yeah. No, it's like the thing Everybody's to do. Everybody's copying you. Yeah. I, yeah our, our, our three covers are um, Kehinde Wiley, who's mm, so an good. amazing painter yeah. artist. Yeah. Um, another artist photographer, um, uh, Ren Hong, who passed away last year. Mm. It was kind of an homage to him mm-hmm. um, with a story as told by his partner. Oh, that's cool. It was really hard to work on, but really, yeah. sure. really beautiful. Yeah. Um, and the third one is a recently out skateboarder named Brian Anderson. Oh, so, my God. I want to know more about this. Yes. It's a much more fashion-y okay. um, editorial piece that has very little text. Therefore, it didn't have as much to do with me. But <laughs> everything that has the text in it is is what I touch. I feel like I'm very interested in the whole skateboarding I know. culture because I know yeah, nothing totally. about it. See, Except, oh wait, go. Tell. Between you and me, I hate skateboarding. Really? Yeah, it's like one of my automatic deal breakers. Like, <laughs> I just feel like if I if I was president, like in my first hundred days, I would like outlaw skateboarding and like scooters at a certain age. Oh like, my god, if- I'm against scooters because the because the kids who get let loose on the sidewalk and then they're oh. always look like they're going to break my ankle oh my if God. I don't jump I, I away. I always think they're going to drive straight into traffic. Yes. I'm like, oh, that child's not going to stop at that corner. Erica's husband skateboards. I We're know. not going like, to tell I'm... him you said oh, that. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. No, uh, he also skateboards for transportation, which he draws a very, like, fine line. I know it's a very specific thing. I'm not going like, to yeah. draw judgment yeah. at all. <laughs> it's a very specific thing to be like, no, no, but I don't do it like that. I do it like 
this. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Now I want to know more about Food for Thought, your podcast. Yes, of course. So um, me and my friend, so I co-hosted with three other guys. Um, we went on these kind of weekly like rosé wine dates mm-hmm. and we would like get together and we would talk and chat and like for like hours and we would... We all have very particular personalities, but all accrue to the same things, which are like uh, literature, sex, dating relationships and like what it means to be gay and also racial identity. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would vacillate between seemingly like low file stories or or like topics like Mariah Carey's Vine account or like (laughs) these this horrible hookup story that we had. And then within the same breath, be able to talk about Judith Butler or like the Dakota (laughs) Access Pipeline. And I think that we were kind of like at a certain point we were like why can't you get this anywhere else? yeah why is it like, just here why, the four of us yeah, yeah why can't i be just this absolutely despicable thought and also be <laughs> highly intellectual um and so uh the podcast was born out of this idea that we could create a we see the metaphor of a beautiful feast yes. of food that is both brain food and junk food yeah um and everyone's invited yeah. That just made me hungry. Oh, yeah. Everything's been making me hungry today. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, and and then and then I feel like the other thing we need to round it out is just like, what else do you do besides these two things? All sorts of things, right? Oh gosh, yeah, I do do a lot of things aside from Hello Mister and um, Food for Thought. I am a writer. Mm-hmm. I write on a lot of queer topics. Mm-hmm. I also just co-founded this thing with my friend Justin, which is a kind of queer artist collective called Communion. Mm-hmm. And we have dinners once a, once a month and kind of collaborate on projects and stuff like Look that. Look at all this stuff you've got going. Yeah. How do you manage to have all of these projects and sort of find the space for them um you know i am a taurus and uh, I'm, a, I'm a workhorse um i I'm am a taurus. i am okay, an great. inexhaustible resource like I, I really am addicted to work to a fault sometimes and i do not stop so like i'll wake up in the morning and work at like one job before i go into like my copywriting job and then like work into late into the evening and like do it all over again this is so, just you yeah i'm yeah. even in college like i had literally five jobs yeah like and i don't even know how i did that like i did not sleep i don't yeah. remember remember my junior year because i just <laughs> sleep. so yeah i just work a lot <laughs> how did how did like growing up in your college experience bring you to this place of sort of being a journalist activist hybrid everything that's a really good podcaster. question um long story sh- as short as it can be um <laughs> i uh, grew up in a really like whitewashed Christian suburb of Illinois, and what which one? Uh, uh, oh my god, uh, <laughs> countryside. Oh my god, I forgot. It's by Naperville or totally. I grew uh, up in Peoria, Illinois. This O-M-G. is why I asked this, <laughs> this okay. is why I'm interested. So, um, with that context, um, I was I grew up in a really sheltered home. Had very few representations of myself growing yes. up. Um, because of that, the internet w- had just become a thing, totally. so I didn't figure out how to use it until mm-hmm. I had already grown up. Basically. Um, So by the time I finished college, I um, was really fed up with the representations of queer people out there. The Out magazine, The Advocate, um, Will and Grace, like Queer as Folk, these things were uh, valuable in their own right and for someone else. But I didn't see myself in those things at all. They weren't speaking Mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. Yeah. And all throughout college, I was also like just I I couldn't write about anything that wasn't 
LGBT related. Mm-hmm. I would like, you know, turn in a paper on Shakespeare and be like, <laughs> can't you see that Antonio and Sebastian are gay for each other? Or like, I would turn in a paper on Chaucer and be like, Troilus was into butt stuff. Can't you tell? And here's the citation. Um, so like I was obsessed with it. Yeah. Uh, and I moved to New York a month after college for a certificate program at NYU. Mm-hmm. And in my application to this program, um, which was for a pub- publishing school, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wrote that I want, and I swear to God, this is what I wrote. I was like, I want to change the face of gay media. I don't see myself represented in what's out there. And I want to like revolutionize how queer people are represented. What about yourself didn't you see represented? Oh my God. I mean, I think within things like Out Magazine, there's kind of this glitz and glam and like couture, Mm -hmm. like very expensive feel to how gay men should be. Mm -hmm. Within something like Will and Grace, it was more of a caricature. Mm -hmm. Like these characters weren't, very two dim- very multi-dimensional mm-hmm. yeah. um mm-hmm. they would kind of like uh they would just fall short yeah and yeah. so nothing felt real exactly mm-hmm. and my first like month i think my first month of living in new york i went to mcnally jackson which has the best magazine collection yeah. in the world totally i saw the first issue of hello mister sitting on the shelf and i didn't even know that it was a gay magazine I you just, just picked it up because you were interested yeah. yeah yeah and i would flip through it and i was like how how do they know about this illustrator that I was obsessed with on Tumblr? How did they find it? Felt like someone yeah. had like put my brain into a magazine. So it was a lot of the sort of like intellectual, intellectual and cultural aspects of your interests in your world that you weren't seeing represented. Yeah. And more importantly, the founder, right, Ryan Fitzgibbon, like really made this thing out of a lack of stories about queer heartbreak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that just was a story that wasn't being told mm-hmm. at yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, he was living in Australia at the time that he founded it and he was very heartbroken and he was like, why can't I go and read stories about this yeah. Yeah. that totally. are about me? Um, yeah. And that's kind of how it came about. And so wow. yeah, I emailed the founder right away, like that day. And I was like, give me something to do. And four years later, I'm that's <laughs> doing amazing. this. Who else yeah. is making things that speak to you now? Oh, God. Like, has it changed? Like, uh, and for queer representation specifically? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, gosh. I think that Looking, the Looking show mm-hmm, on HBO, mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. one of the, the big front runners yeah. in that, in that it was just gay storytelling. It could kind of exist um, separate from oppression or separate mm-hmm. from, like, how straight people are oppressing us, mm-hmm. um, which is very valuable to me. Um, another one that comes to mind is I think there are a lot of podcasts out there that yeah. are doing it really well. Yeah. Like yeah. I think that um, Jenna Wortham's and Wesley, yeah. Wesley Morris totally is still processing yeah. the read. Like yeah. I think there's a I think that within the last few years we're really emerging and we're creating stories that I think are more than just the two dimensional one that we already know. Yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. Um, something else about your work that I think is interesting is how much of yourself you put out there in all of these different things mm-hmm. that you create. True. What makes it out there? What doesn't make it out there? Like, what's the public Fran versus Great you know, question. private Fran? I really don't have any boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> I, I absolutely cannot. I When I saw that, I could not think of, I cannot think of a single thing that I would withhold um, if someone asked me for it and totally. if I had the power to tell that yeah. story yeah. tactfully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which uh, definitely cannot be an amazing thing for like my psyche, but I just <laughs> don't have that like little switch that like turns on to privacy. Yeah. Um, I don't have that. And I think that, you know, the age of social media has really compelled me to share whenever I want. Yeah, and, totally. Um, and I think that in, I'm not really interested in being private. And, yeah. and when I'm able to share 
crazy stories that embarrass me or stories of me making a mistake or or a story about me understanding something about my obsession with something that might be problematic mm-hmm. or my lack of understanding in a certain subject matter. If I find that if I'm really public about that, that other people will text me or DM me privately and be like, I'm so glad you said that. Thank yes. you. Um, it's and, very relatable. Yeah. Right. Things everybody feels. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's it's everything you said about sort of how you've created your career, which is storytelling is so important and the ability to be able to recognize yourself in storytelling is so important. And so the more people are willing to put that out there, the, you're, you're doing share service. Share their own stories. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, okay, you do social media, you do a magazine, you do a podcast. Are there any other mediums you work in or you're dying to work in? Oh, God, that's a really good question. I feel like my last terrain is screenwriting. Um, oh. I my I went to like four different schools because I'm crazy. And the first <laughs> school that I went to that I transferred immediately out of was the DePaul Theater Conservatory, which mm-hmm. is it's a really prestigious theater school. I was there for playwriting. Mm-hmm. So um, I really love writing for the screen and plays. And I think that's like something that's in my future totally. um but uh other than that like my mediums are social media and throwing parties <laughs> I, I really do no truly like those are like i love like love tweeting i love engaging with people and meeting people from the internet yeah. i would say like 80 to 90 percent of the friends that i have now in real life are yeah. from the internet initially yeah um and i also yeah throw a lot of parties for gay people and so I love it. um i'm really and yeah i'm really good at it so what's a good party <laughs> look like for you oh my god it depends on what the vibe is okay. but more often than not i i like to know everyone at the party uh-huh. so if it's like a dinner party then i'm going to like like make sure that everything looks really nice. I'm going to make sure that I'm like introducing people um, to each other and making sure that everyone in the room knows each other. Um, there's usually lots of wine. There's usually some really good food. And like, I'm very particular th- about the music. Um, if it's What's like the right music. Oh my God. I mean, Again, depends on the vibe, but I find like Day Spotify radio works really well. Hot tip. Yeah, I love Sade radio on Spotify. This is a very good tip. Sometimes yeah. you just need the playlist to go to. I yeah, also yeah. really love Bossa Nova. Like I love mm, playing some Ciao Gilberto yeah. or Ciao Gilberto radio and like it kind of boosts it up, but you don't know what it is. No one can sing along the words, which I like. Which yeah, is it totally. like falls into the background. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Um. One question I have is um, in diving into your work, you talk, you do a lot of sort of activism and you talk a lot about politics. And I guess you come at it from a lot of different angles. And I'm curious how you sort of like think about how to prioritize all of that. Um, two different thoughts about this. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, I think that it is absolutely impossible and everyone should know that it's absolutely impossible mm-hmm. to like subscribe to and advocate for every single cause out mm-hmm. there. Yeah. And we can't feel guilt for mm-hmm. not being able to do that. I find personally uh, a lot of comfort in surrounding myself with other activists and mm-hmm. advocates so that on days where I am completely exhausted and cannot respond to this tweet from the president, or I mm-hmm. really actually have an obligation and I cannot go to the rally right. that um, everyone is going to right now, that I find um, a little consolation in knowing that my friends are going to be able to pick up the slack and go do that. So sur- great. surrounding yourself and yeah. thinking about yourself as a, a group of people rather than just an individual mm. who's like bogged down mm-hmm. um, by that is really important to me. Um, I also think that, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that we should expand as much as we can to cover as many topics and to talk mm-hmm. about what as much as we're able to talk about mm-hmm. um, as far as political advocacy goes, that you can't really advocate if it's coming from a place of 
obligation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It can't be a supposed to thing. Right. It has to come from a place of conviction. Yeah. And it's not going to come from a place of conviction until you've spent time with the subject matter, until mm-hmm. you've clocked the hours with the subject matter and mm-hmm. to the point where obligation transforms into conviction. Um, and I tell, I say that all the time just because I think there is a lot of um, insincere advocacy yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that can help, but mostly cannot. And I, I think that people need to clock the hours of understanding right. what it is in addition to doing that. And social media is a great way to hold yourself accountable to that. Like yep. I, on my Instagram now, like every time I read a story, uh, like I was just reading all these stories on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like on, on Twitter mm-hmm. and whatever in my newsfeed and not really digesting it. It was mm-hmm. just kind of washing over yeah, me. Yeah, totally. <clears throat> and now like I go in and I, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I highlight a passage and then I screenshot it. I and love I put this. It on it's my, the Fran Digest. It's the Fran Digest. It's really, I, this <laughs> is so smart. I've screenshotted yeah. so many things to be like, yes, I want to really? read that. Yes, I want to read that. This is yeah. super interesting. And you can very... swipe up to articles yeah. now. So like I link through all of the articles yeah. and and where that is, you know, great advocacy. And, and there are other people that will text me or, or read it later. But uh, it's also holding me accountable to actually taking something away from what I'm reading. Mm-hmm. It's holding me accountable to like, Connect with it in some real way. Right. And also to be like, oh, it's, it's, you know, 9 a.m. and I'm on the train. Like, I better, like, go in and see what I can post about what I've read. Um, What's your Instagram handle so everybody can get on on the Fran Digest? Oh, yeah. It's um, Fran Squish Co. (laughs) I made it when I was, like, in high school. So, like, I don't. (laughs) That's really impressive. (laughs) I know. I I don't love it. But, yeah, my full name is Francisco. Um, Everybody knows that my AOL screen name in high school was DKNY Claire because I love DKNY so much. I'm older than you, so I feel like I have more of an excuse. But, (laughs) um. Oh really? So it's fine. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, yours is more embarrassing because right. yours is like punny, and but yours I'm like, is mine like a was brand. like further away ago. But I don't. So yours the is the same also... embarrassing. Yeah. Oh my god! No right. shame. No shame. <laughs> it's true. It, before it was DKNY Claire, it was DKNY Rocks R O X because that was like a really common oh thing of AOL handles. Way more embarrassing. Duh. I love. Yeah. But R O X was a really common part of AOL screen names in 1997 or whenever yeah, that totally. was happening. So you know, yeah, you know, we were victims. We were um, (laughs) speaking of of being youthful. What sort of advice do you have to younger people trying to break into New York City and creative and and media? Oh, God. Um, uh, Pretend to be the person you want to be until you are that person yeah i think that has really helped me yeah um enter rooms as if you're like wearing a suit of armor be dress nice and like be really charming and show up to every party you're invited to like i would say like (laughs) a huge percentage of my success comes from just dressing nice being charming and showing up to parties like really honestly truly cannot um uh stress that enough and also um this is really caustic advice but uh, it helped me um, when I first moved to New York, I um, was I became friends with like a woman who at the time was like the fashion editor of Vogue China. She yeah. was like living in like Gramercy Park. Girls got it made. <laughs> like she's so expensive. She smelled so good. Um, you we, smell so good today. Oh, yeah, thank I you. I you when you it. In. I'm trying a new scent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she um, we she, I was telling her about how excited I was to move to New York. I was really fresh to it. And she's like, you know, New York is a great place to be in your 20s. I'm so glad you're here. I have to say, as what I've told other people, um, New York is this big, beautiful, amazing city, and you'll want everything from it, and you love it unconditionally, and it's never going to love you back. 
And I was like, I remember at the time I was like, what? <laughs> like I was so <laughs> devastated. And also she was so cool. I thought she was shading me. But like that has been so true. Yeah. <laughs> like over the last four years that I've been here um, is, is that New York is really this thing that you will put so much time and energy and resources and love and work into and you will do everything in your power to rise to the top and to be a part of this elite group that you want to be a part of um but just it, it will never congratulate you yeah. it, it will never be like good work here's a treat like yeah, totally. that's not how it works totally. um, you have to you it's not for the faint faint of heart totally um yeah can we close out with um, a little? Can you speak about Fran Drescher? Oh, the I'm other Fran. So the glad I've been waiting this whole interview for you. <laughs> You're like, what you are we that? even doing here? <laughs> when Let's are we going to talk about the other Fran? <laughs> the other Fran. Fran Drescher, iconic, ahead of her time. <laughs> um, most people don't know that Fran Drescher of the brilliant TV show and sitcom the Nanny um, was an executive producer on the show and wrote most of the episode with her then husband. Really? Yeah, she was like an entrepreneur she was like a super duper brain on this and everyone just thinks she was this she was an instantly beloved star of course but she's yeah. also this powerhouse the behind it too. with, with huh. her husband who then ended up being gay but that's like another thing that i love about her is that they divorced and they're still great friends like they travel together Stop. like they go Ew, to dinners amazing. they still work together um she's fantastic it was also a fashion icon if you don't follow what fran wore oh, yeah. on yeah. instagram yeah, yeah. Oh, get so it, good. Get in One there. of my favorite accounts, top five, top five Instagram accounts. Um, yeah. My I, husband's first crush was was Fran Fine. No um, yeah. way. <laughs> and Fair. so, yeah. and especially when we met, I had much longer hair. I was doing a bold lip often, and I was doing a fake eyelash pretty often. Uh, and so I think that's pretty, that has a lot to do with how I scored him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? That's totally, I, you know, next <laughs> next time you see me, I'm going to be wearing a bold lip. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, try Fine. it. See how it goes. I honestly would. Yeah. I totally would. <laughs> Um, Fran, thank you so much for coming oh on. God, it was fantastic, fantastic an to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you've been listening to a few things. Um, listen to back episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast. I've been using Overcast. Wherever you rec. like podcasts. I love rec. Overcast. Yeah. Speeds things up. I would just like to remind everybody to leave us a review on iTunes. Yes. And, yes. and say nice things if you can. But if you have something mean to say, you can still say it because it'll or help get the word Or just send up. that to a few things that have a kind.com. Tell us on a few things that have a kind.com. Tell us privately. Take our survey. Yeah, totally. Um, and email us at advertising at of a kind.com if you'd like to advertise. I don't know why you wouldn't want to. Oh, that'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> That's the show. Bye. So many of you guys write in and ask about our theme song. It is called Butterfield East, and it is composed and performed by the Soulful Saints. You can check them out over at DallaRecords.com. That was a HeadGum Podcast.